What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. Look, another solo from me here today. Got a few things to say. Been a lot on my mind, but we have a high impact show. Very short, very sweet. Get you straight to the point. We'll be back to you after the new intro of Up in Flames. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah. Uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. We up in, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. And we are back. That was the debut of the new Up in Flames intro that you will see on all live shows and on the YouTube channel. Shout out to my guy, Justin Payton, a.k.e. JP, the franchise, over at OffTheBallNetwork.com for making me that wonderful intro so guys i have i have a lot on my mind a lot has been brewing a little bit um first solo live show so bear with me here but like i said a lot's been brewing on my mind talk about a little bit about ohio state i recently wrote an article for off the ball network we'll touch on that to close out the show but first things first i want to talk about the diva narrative in the nfl and here's why i say that we've seen cam newton be cut we see that he's going to struggle. He came out, you know, with his interview and basically talked about part of it was his aura uh, for being a backup quarterback. Can we really can we really see him being the backup to Mac Jones? Would he be OK with that? Would he make too much noise as a backup quarterback to New England's liking? And that made me think. And, and it's essentially what he was getting at is he was too diva for New England. And they really didn't want to deal with that if he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback and he wasn't going to be contributing on the field to wins. And so. We have this narrative, and, and it's diva, and it's held to a different standard. And in this segment, you're going to hear names like Jameis Winston and Lamar Jackson and, and Cam Newton and Michael Thomas. But you're also going to hear names like Taysom Hill. You're going to hear names like T.J. Watt. And, and that's, that's essentially what we're going to talk about here. And so I want to start with the diva narrative. So let's start with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, you know, had his little tiff in the offseason with the New Orleans Saints, and it was him being a diva. Maybe feel like he's not being used. Maybe he's about to be unhappy because it's, it's you know, it hit home that it's a downgrade. He lost his quarterback. He's getting Jameis Winston back, and there's no diss to Jameis, but you had an all-time great in Drew Brees, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, Sean Payton was limiting the office a little bit to allow Jameis to get acclimated. Obviously, he was seeing this from the outside because he had this ankle surgery, and maybe he did wait too late. You know, maybe he should have got it as soon as the season was over, but that's, that's between the new Orleans saints. And that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to hit all the backlash, all the backlash that Michael Thomas got for getting surgery and not being ready for week one. And like, I, I'm, I've, I've experienced the ankle surgery. It's, it's a long road to recovery. People don't understand that. A lot of these people who criticize these athletes who get hurt have never been hurt themselves, have never been injured themselves, have never had a surgery themselves. So, so they don't know what it's like. They don't know what the comeback is like. I do, especially I'm, I'm still, I'm about to have a second surgery, you know, on my ankle almost a year later. 
So it's, you know, injuries are coming back from them can be that serious. Now, granted, I don't have the multi-million dollar facilities and, and training staff to get me back the way they do, but it's still a process and your body still reacts to things a certain way. And sometimes all these role is projections based on what they've seen from other athletes, based on what they see. And so now he's a diva. And, and but we don't say, and, and my good friend Jeff has kind of ignited this conversation and brought some light onto where my stance is. But like we applaud TJ Watt for holding holding in is what we call it. We call it holding in. He shows up to the facility, but he won't practice with the team. He's only doing individual drills. He's not doing anything coaches basically asking him to do. He no a part of team activities, but he's not a diva. Nobody is TJ Watt wasn't a diva. He's Mr. Football. He wants to be out there on the field more than anybody. But then we will talk bad about Odell Beckham, who's who's projected to miss his second week straight. And not everybody wants to give up on Odell Beckham. And he's over and he's a diva because he's coming off an injury. But TJ Watt, TJ Watt is allowed to hold in. But I guess because he kept showing up to the facility, it's a little bit different. And so we 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 are okay with TJ Watt. He's not a diva. Nobody is killing him for holding in. I just love that term because anybody else is holding out. So now I'm going to say, I'm going to get to the uncomfortable conversation, uncomfortable part of this conversation. He's white. He's allowed to do certain things that black athletes can't. When black athletes do this, they're considered, you're lucky. You forget the hard work that they did in, in little league, in, in middle school, in high school, in college, where they're at in the NFL today. None of that hard work matters. They are lucky. They are, they are reluctant to have an opportunity to play in the NFL. They are privileged. It's a privilege to be one of the top quarterbacks, to be one of the top wide receivers in the world. It's a privilege when it comes to black athletes. But when it comes to white athletes, they tend to get babied by the fans. They tend to get babied by the media. There's not these harsh narratives that these black athletes have to deal with. And, and we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to bring that up. But it's the fact. It is the fact. T.J. Watt, Jeff is my witness. Jeff brought this to my attention. T.J. Watt was called Mr. Football. And there was pleas on mainstream media that it was he wants to be out there more than anybody. That's all we're hearing. Well, if he really wanted to be out there, he wouldn't be focused on the money. He'd be focused on winning. But when, but when a Michael Thomas does it, when a Michael Thomas is having problems in the offseason or or a Jameis Winston, or any of these guys, they're Cam Newton. Now they're a distraction. Now their aura is off, and they don't want that. They didn't want Cam Newton's aura in the New England locker room if he wasn't going to be starting and producing wins. They didn't want him to mentor Mac Jones. But then, but then you know, let's bring up Mac Jones. <laughs> now all of a sudden, he's sitting in defensive meetings. Like, you know, there's the narrative. Now all of a sudden, Mac Jones is a true pro's pro. Ain't, ain't played but one game. Looked halfway decent. Give him that. Looked halfway decent. Not necessarily. I don't want, this isn't a dog Mac Jones to compare who's better out of Cam Newton or Mac Jones, but now he's, he's, he's in defensive meetings. Like, you know, he was teaching Cam Newton the playbook, the same playbook that Cam Newton had all the last year to learn and, and all this offseason to learn. Mac Jones comes in day one. He grasped Josh McDaniel's system, who we know from former players, and former, you know, teammates have said that's one of the hardest systems to grasp. And that was kind of why we gave Cam Newton the benefit of the doubt last year. 
because he had COVID. They didn't have a full offseason. COVID hit. So guys didn't have a full offseason. He was in a new, new team, new organization, a whole new set of rules. We know the Patriot way. And I'm starting to question what the Patriot way is, but that's neither the here nor there. The Patriot way it was a lot different than pretty much any other organization in the NFL. And we expected Cam Newton, who's not just was a star athlete, not just a star quarterback, a celebrity, a big time guy. He's going to bring attention whether he tries to or not. Cam signed with the Patriots. And he got unwanted attention. Hadn't said a word yet. Hadn't said a word yet. Was getting doubted in the media. Had never had another opportunity. Go sign with the Patriots. And all eyes are on him. And he hasn't said anything. Cam literally said nothing. And, and we're dogging him. He's a diva. He's, he's too pretty to be playing football. He's too much of a celebrity. But like I said, we're allowing TJ Watt to hold in because he's white. And so white athletes, they, they, they're not divas. They're not, they don't feel like they're privileged. They've earned their way in America. They've earned their way and earned their spot on the football field. But the young brothers coming out the hood, they did everything they could to get their mama a brand new house, did everything they could to get their family out of the rough situations that a lot of us in America come from. People don't understand that, but they, they did everything they could. Did, you know, dog eat dog world. And they ate every dog, every obstacle in their way. But they're privileged to get there because they're black. That is just that simple, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. It's just that simple. And let's bring it up here. Taysom Hill. Let's bring up Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is a guy who we were arguing Jameis Winston at Taysom Hill. And I don't think it was a race thing about the quarterback. But let's just let's let's. We all saw Lamar Jackson's performance against the Raiders, right? We, we, we all saw that. And so Lamar Jackson didn't play that well. Crucified. He's not a real quarterback. He's a running back who happens to have a decent arm. Let's not give the fact that I'm away on the Ravens for just a second, just to put in perspective of my thoughts on Lamar Jackson. All these other quarterbacks that we say are elite, they, they are top quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson has won an MVP. How many of these top five quarterbacks have done that? 3,100 yards, 36 touchdowns. You know, does it on the ground also at an elite level, at a level we haven't seen since Michael Vick. But we crucify him for that because Baltimore runs a very college-style offense, but it's a lot of short routes and run-pass option. So Lamar Jackson has never really been in the system. His best receiver is a tight end. And the tight end is not named Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Mark Andrews is a very good tight end. But that's his best receiver week in and week out. That's his most dependable receiver. Like, And he's not at the level of Gronk. Well, we're talking about the greatest tight end of all time, where a lot of years that was Tom Brady's best option. But, I mean, Gronk could stretch the field. Tight end seam up the middle. You know, he could stretch a defense. He changed the way you had to play defense because of how great he was at tight end. Mark Andrews is really good. But we crucify Lamar Jackson for not he's a running he's a running back who happens to throw the ball and then we Taysom Hill gets this god-awful contract now I know it had a lot of terms where really it was a year-to-year thing but the fact that he ever even signed that Jameis Winston was signed 10 million for a year that's what he got that's that's what he got at, to be a backup to Drew Brees and Taysom Hill got this lucrative contract that like if he's the starting quarterback he's going to get paid 30 some million dollars a year essentially and if we're going to hold Lamar Jackson to that standard, Taysom Hill is even worse. Taysom Hill can't throw the ball like that. 
Since when is he beating anybody with his arm? He won some games because he was with a good New Orleans team that they won in spite of quarterback play. He didn't do what Teddy Bridgewater did. Teddy Bridgewater, when he came in that year, was 5-0. and You had some games where he made some plays. He had some games with over 200-plus yards. Their offense was struggling. The Saints' defense was really good. Their offense was struggling with Taysom Hill. But he's a starting quarterback in this league. He's afforded the opportunity, the benefit of the doubt, that he's a starting quarterback in this league. And it's, it should be an argument about Jace, uh, Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. That's that's what we have. But Lamar Jackson will be out of the league. Cam Newton has no spot, not even as a backup. We go back all the way back to Colin Kaepernick. Off of his good years, he's okay. He had a few bad games. Now he's exiled from the league. I understand it was a political stand, but to say that his on people were saying his on-field performance was the reason why he's not with the team. I, I, I tend to think different. But now I don't think Kaepernick is is at a level that he would be better, you know, a starting quarterback level. And maybe he is staying in shape, but he's been away from the game for so long. But that's what they have to deal with. That's what these black athletes have to deal with. You know, they, one little thing out of their mouth, and they're, they should be lucky they're even here. They should be lucky they even get paid to play. But T.J. Watt's allowed to hold in, and he's an all-American guy. What a stand-up guy. Pittsburgh, just pay him. Don't let him walk. He's not a diva. He wants nothing more than to be out there with his teammates. Well, if that was the case, then he would let his agent do his job. Because when these athletes speak out and they play agent, oh, they're divas. Instead of just being guys who are pitching for what they want. That's what they are. That's what they are. They're pitching for what they want. But they're divas because they're black. Because they're urban. Because they listen to rap music. You know, they got a little bit of swagger about themselves. So now they're divas because that's a word that you could find to use for it without coming off as racist. <laughs> you heard that. You call them divas because that's a word that you like to use to not come off as racist, but still down the black athlete. Let that sink in. Let's stop using this diva narrative. Let's stop calling these athletes divas because essentially it may not come from a bad place from everybody, but it does come from a bad place from a lot of people. And so not saying Michael Thomas shouldn't be critiqued for how he handled it. Not saying that maybe there is a conversation for Jameis. Not saying that Lamar Jackson shouldn't be critiqued because he's a black athlete stand up for, for him. They should be addressed as what they are because the white athletes get addressed as what they are. Tom Brady can do whatever. You know, he's he's come out. He's come out. He, he speaks. He's, he does interviews. He trolls a little bit, and we love it. We, we love it. We love what Tom Brady does. His production company, making videos after the game. We love it, and I'm a fan of it, but I'm a fan of all that. Black, white, it doesn't matter. But, you know, there's there's people in America that love what Tom Brady does, but Cam Newton does it, has a production, doing recording his workouts, coming back. Oh, he's a diva. He wants too much attention. Odell Beckham, you know, is is recording one-handed catches as he's coming back from his ACL injury, but he's a diva. He just wants attention. He just wants people to see that he's back. He just wants to go viral again. Tom Brady does it. Oh, look at Tom Brady. Oh, look at Tom Brady. Aren't we just in love with Tom Brady? Isn't he just the all-American guy? Because he wins. He played for the Patriots. They should be America's team. That's 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 what happens. And then real quick before I move on, 
let's talk about Raheem Moster in the situation with his wife. Raheem Moster gets hurt again out for the season. A very unfortunate injury. Yes, he's injury prone. That could be the knock on him. It sucks. His body, some people will say his body's made of glass. It's okay. Anthony Davis gets that narrative in basketball. It happens. Derrick Rose was a huge, you know, had he not got injured a lot consistently, what would he be? And it's okay. But what's not okay is we think these athletes, you know, fans like to look at athletes as privilege. No. Fans feel privileged. Fans feel like they can do whatever they want. And so what was done to Raheem Mostert and his wife is unacceptable. And like, this should be payments. This should be fines, you know, kicked off of social media for, for hate crime, hate mail, sending, telling his wife, you know, he should kill himself. 49ers should cut him. Your family doesn't deserve to live because he played the sport he loved for your team and he got hurt. And you know, you know what's really ruining this is you fantasy football idiots. Fantasy football is fun. Fantasy football is a great way to monitor and give credit and, and win. Have fun. Enjoy football. All the matchups. Enjoy a Jaguars game because you need a player and he might be the difference in, in getting you a W that week for the pot, whatever the win, you know, loser. Last place, got to get a tattoo. All the fun stuff we do in fantasy football. But it's also you idiots that, that are too gung-ho in the fantasy football, that are brainwashed in the fantasy football that – are saying stuff like this. Oh, because now you, you went on the limb and drafted Raheem Mostert in the third round. Now your third round fantasy football pick is out for the season. Your team looks like it's in shambles. Nobody else can step up. Like San Francisco doesn't think their season is over. All the coaches pray nothing for the best for him. Get well in recovery. But we some, now it's time next man up. But you can't do that with your fantasy football team. Your season's over. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump in his wife's DMs. I'm going to bring the kids into it. I'm going to talk trash to him. I'm going to talk shit to him. And I'm going to sit here and say, oh, you need to die. You need to kill yourself. You don't deserve to live no more. Your family needs to get off face of the earth. That's terrible. Nobody should condone that. This should be prices to pay for that. Some type, something. Five days in jail, something. I don't know, but that's ridiculous. It's cyberbullying in a sense. And you don't do that to these athletes that play for the teams that you love. You say you love your team and you got their back, but then somebody gets injured. And now because your fantasy football season is over with, you feel privileged enough that you could jump in a man's DMs. Now let Raheem Mostert start finding these folks and confronting them. And guess what? He's a thug. Oh, he's a thug. He, 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 he handled it real, real, real ghetto-like. That's that urban mentality. But you're allowed to say, as a, as a white fan, you're allowed to say, go kill yourself. You ruined my fantasy football team. Say whatever. Oh, racial slurs. You know, homophobic slurs. Whatever. <laughs> and let Raheem Mostert handle it, you know, the way most of us would, coming from where we come from, and it'd be an issue. Oh, now nah, he's a thug. He too hood to play in the NFL. He don't deserve a spot. Y'all really let gangsters be in the NFL like this? So just think about some of the stuff you do because when somebody gives you that same energy back, you ain't ready for it. Raheem Mostert, pull it. He see you in public. One time across the jaw. What you gonna do? I shouldn't live, right? My family should kill themselves, right? You get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? But you don't think about that. Y'all don't think about it because y'all feel privileged as fans to say what you want. But I've said my piece. Now I'm gonna move forward. My last two topics, one is going to move into the other. Wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about Ohio State here. Obviously, I'm up in flames. But before I move on, make sure you go to mybookie.ag uh, using promo code off the ball. 
because they match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. So go check it out with our good friends over there at mybookie.ag using promo code in all caps off the ball. They match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. And so with that being said, what does Ohio State do moving forward? You know, I've talked about this a lot. I talked about this with, with my friend Jeff, who does the Buckeyes remix. I talked about this with my friend Jay, who does Locked On Buckeyes. Make sure you go check out, you know, all three of us. Different perspectives, but we all think alike. We want what's best for Ohio State. Um, so if you want to hear what I have to say after this, go check out Jeff uh, over there at Buckeyes Remix on uh, Off the Ball. And then go check out Jay and his Locked On Buckeyes podcast that he does every day, giving you all things Buckeyes. And I was reluctant enough to be a guest with him on Monday. So definitely go check that out. But what do we do moving forward? We took a loss, and I get into what this loss means. So I'm not really going to talk about necessarily what Ohio State's path is, but we'll get into that. But let's just essentially talk about where do we go from here? We have a loss. You know, uh, our defense didn't look the greatest. Now, granted, like Jeff and Jay and I have broken down all week, our defense didn't look as bad. Here's the thing. I don't believe in defense is holding teams to 14 points anymore. We're beyond that in the NFL. I mean, I mean, in football, period. It happens. But overall, like, I don't believe in two top teams in the country match up against each other and expect the score to be 17 to 14. Two great defensive teams. I've seen it. I've seen Ohio State play Alabama with two really good defenses one year in the college football playoff. The score was 42 to 35. Defense to me is about who steps up when it matters most. Who can make that stop when all chips are on the line and it matters most. And Ohio State's defense actually did that. Down a touchdown. The final, y'all do realize the final three drives of Oregon, Ohio State, three and out. Three and out. Only one first down allowed. Punt. All three ended up in punts, which guess what that means? I know we're stat heads. Analytics will tell you CJ Stroud played amazing. But that Ohio State offense, down seven, three straight possessions, got the ball back. Guess how many points they came with? You guessed it, zero. Three possessions, they came out with zero points. Only scored four touchdowns, 400, 600 yards of total offense. Come out with four touchdowns with elite weapons, two first-round wide receivers, a future first-round wide receiver. Probably future first-round running backs. Featured first-rounders on the offensive line. A tight end who's making a name for himself. Came back. Probably be drafted on day two of draft day. Top first three rounds. That's the talent Ohio State has. Oregon got some talent. Don't get me wrong. Oregon is a really good team. But they don't have that talent to match that on the defensive end. Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't play. Injured. Justin Lowe, linebacker. Two best defensive players. On Oregon, didn't play. Ohio State was favored by two touchdowns prior to any word on whether Thibodeau or Lowe played. And they scored four touchdowns. That's it. Uh, see, and the thing is, it sound like we sound like some privileged fans because a lot of you, a lot of you fans not used to winning. Yeah, I'm throwing a little bit of shade. 28 points is good enough for teams like that team up north. Yeah, I said it. I said it. 28 points is good enough for that team up north. 28 points is good enough for Wisconsin to get a victory. 28 points is good enough for University of Florida to win a game. Y'all okay with that? Ohio State office held to a higher standard. And there's other schools that go along with that. Oklahoma, Alabama, you know, Clemson. That, that 
10 to 3 game that Clemson lost. That's not okay. Elite quarterback play comes out of that year in and year out, at least on the college level. Don't tell me what they do in the NFL. Doesn't take away from how elite these guys are coming. You know, Alabama, they just had Tua, and then they had Mac Jones, and now they got Bryce Young, and they look like they're continuing. Oklahoma had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts for a year. Now they got Spencer Rattler, you know, Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence to DJ Yui Ungalele over there at Clemson. From Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to what's supposed to be CJ Stroud. From JT Barrett and Cardell Jones to Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. Big shoes to fill, right? All everybody had amazing careers at Ohio State. JT Barrett, a record holder everywhere alongside in the Big Ten. Justin Fields goes to the playoffs two years in a row. Goes to a national championship. High standards, right? Puts on, you know, all-time performances, first-round draft pick. Dwayne Haskins, an amazing year they had at Ohio State, first-round draft pick. Granted, I don't care what he did in the NFL. We're not, that doesn't matter. When you talk about it at the college level and what these guys did for your team, amazing. He had he had a an amazing – and he couldn't – he wasn't that mobile for Ohio State. We're used to mobile quarterbacks being able to make some shape. Slung it everywhere. Put up 60-some against Michigan that year. So let, let, we're not going to act like Dwayne Haskins is a bum now in the NFL because he wasn't a bum in college. That's what I care about. And so with Ohio State, you had three possessions to, to put some points. And what do we not trust our kickers? We don't put – we get in field goal range and we don't put our kickers out there ever. We leave all possessions with no, with no points. When is that ever – the, the recipe to winning, it's not. Fire the defensive coordinator, they say. Kerry Coombs is not that guy, right? Firing him does what this year, right now? Firing Kerry Coombs does what for the defense right now? Make some adjustments. Coaches, longer meetings with y'all. Do something. Make some adjustments. Be ready. You got two rollover games in Tulsa and Akron. Roll over. Figure out the, the kinks and get ready for conference play. That's all we could do. Get the run game going. The run game has always been the recipe. We always spread the field with our amazing athletes because of what we do with the running game. Offensive lines should dominate everybody in the trenches. Get the running backs going. This is baby Zeke and baby Dobbins reincarnated over there, Mayan Williams. So what is what is what are we doing? Like, we got outcoached against Oregon. Ryan Day's a great coach. Didn't think I'd say that up to this point. He got out-coached. We got out-schemed against Alabama. I expect that. Cristobal is a great coach. He earned all my respect. I never doubted him as a coach prior, but I just didn't think he was in that Ryan Day, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney category. But the way he out, the way he had Kerry Combs and the defensive coordinator, the way, the, the way he had Ryan Day in shambles, it looked like on Saturday, he's up there. He's earned, he's earned his right. Now, does he, can he keep it? Is the question because I know what Ohio State gonna do moving forward. I think Oregon gonna be a really good team. Oregon, we may see you later on, but you know, Ohio State moving forward definitely just you need to figure it out. We need to make some adjustments. But I wrote an article and you know, go to off the ball network.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. I wrote an article on this, and this is kind of it was inspired by what Ohio State. Then it wasn't able to do on Saturday, and it's one loss. It was a one-loss article on Off the Ball Network and in, about college football because 
oh, we come off as spoiled fans when Clemson loses and Ohio State lost. And, you know, if Bama was to lose to Florida, like how much that changed the outlook of the rest of your season. And it's that real. Like one loss can be the difference of you playing for the playoffs or playing in a New Year's Six game. One loss could be the difference of you competing for your conference championship or not. Just one loss. Just one loss. That's what it does in college football. You look at NFL on Sunday, Buffalo Bills lost. You think they're worried about whether they can reach an AFC championship or a Super Bowl because they lost in week one? No. Teams in the NFL win as wild cards, six, seven losses, eight losses, win Super Bowls, compete for Super Bowls, make it to the playoffs. One loss could be that much of a difference. Ohio State doesn't have a clear path to the playoffs. Clemson, winning your conference isn't just good enough to make it to the playoffs, essentially. You're you're preying on other teams' downfall. You hope Oklahoma loses a game, maybe even two. You hope the Big 12 produces. Let's just make it easy before I get into the hard part. You hope the Big 12 produces a two-loss conference champ. Boom, they out of there. You hope Oregon drops two, you know, is a two-loss Pac-12 champ. Boom, they out of there. Even with the win over Ohio State. If Ohio State is that's Ohio State's only sole loss, they, they win that argument, especially with some quality teams they're playing. You hope Georgia loses a game prior to Alabama. You don't want to see Georgia and Alabama, you know, undefeated SEC conference championship. You don't want to see that. Uh Notre Dame and Cincinnati play each other, so only one of those teams could remain undefeated. You like to see even after one of them suffer a loss, somebody else suffer a loss. You would you'd like to see neither one of them be undefeated. But that's that's what one loss does in college football. And so the scenario right now is Ohio State, let's say this is the death scenario for the playoff committee. Oregon doesn't lose a game. And wins the conference championship. Oklahoma doesn't lose a game and wins the conference championship. Clemson and Ohio State went out and win their conference championships. Alabama and Georgia are both undefeated at the time that they play each other in the SEC championship. And it's a great game while both of them are ranked number one and two, where you might say, yes, the definitive winner would be number one, but neither one of those teams gave you a reason on why any other team was better than them as the number two team in the country. And then the winner of Notre Dame and Cincinnati finishes the season undefeated. That's a scenario right there, isn't it? That would be something that the, the college football playoff committee would fear because there, there would be a wrong way. They there, There'd be a wrong way. There'd be a wrong thing to do. And so that's what one loss does with Clemson going down, with Ohio State going down. Season could be in shambles at the end, and we don't know who makes the playoffs. And there could be arguments, and there's going to be some upset conferences. There's going to be some upset teams. But that's just what one loss did with Ohio State Clemson. Brands that consistently play in the college football playoff. Brands that hold their conferences afloat. Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson are like the only proven schools outside of Alabama, Georgia, which I say outside of the SEC and Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson are all schools that will get the benefit of the doubt most more often than not with the playoff committee. The Pac-12, been in once. Been in the playoffs once. Went to the national championship and got slaughtered back in 2014. Yeah, I remember. Ohio State won the national championship that year. You know, Alabama and Georgia, we've seen two SEC teams make the playoffs, which is why I say – They'll get the benefit of the doubt. 
that number one versus number two undefeated matchup could be mean a lot for a lot of teams. Oklahoma, they get they're gonna get the benefit of the doubt. They've been there a couple of times. They they've made their appearances. Clemson, Ohio State, we know they've made their appearances. Ohio State, back to back years, played Clemson. Make loses one, makes the national championship in another, has won the first ever college football playoff. So they have a championship pedigree ever since this playoff committee has gotten together and they've proven that they belong on the big stage enough for the committee to give them a benefit of the doubt. I don't think anybody else in the Big Ten allows that. And let's just say, for God's sakes, we won't bring Ohio State into this, but let's say Iowa, who hasn't lost a game, or Penn State, who hasn't lost a game, and they play each other, so one of them are going to lose. But let's say Iowa meets a one-loss Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship and wins. Now we got an undefeated Iowa. Now we got an undefeated Big Ten champ, an undefeated Big 12 champ, an undefeated Pac-12 champ, an undefeated Notre Dame or Cincinnati, an undefeated SEC champ with a one-loss SEC champ who lost to what we will deem the best team in the country in a, in a small margin. A one-loss ACC champ, Clemson, who has that championship pedigree, who could turn it around and look amazing and change the game. That, that's what happens when one loss early on in the season. Just think about what the committee is going to go through making those kind of decisions because somebody's going to get shafted. Somebody's going to get screwed over. Some conference is not going to be happy. Some fan base is not going to be happy, and they're going to kill the committee. This year could really prove that all you people that don't want to see a 12-team playoff, why it could make the most sense. Maybe it doesn't shake out like that. Maybe some of the teams that need to lose to make the decisions a little bit easier do. But under this scenario I just made, that would be all the reason why they're like, this is why we're expanding to 12, because more than four teams deserve to be in. And whether you think this is everybody's playing against Bama, because that's what it looks like. Everybody's just playing to lose to Bama in a national championship, essentially. They look amazing. But even still, that doesn't mean there's other teams that don't deserve a chance, because if that's the case, just crown Alabama and hang up the season. Let's just hang it up. If, if it's Bama run away, they may run away with it, but they got to prove it on the field every week, right? That's that's what you play the game for, right? Or else we'll just start lining up rosters and just say, you know, we're not going to play games. We're not going to make people prove their what they are. We're just going to start handing out championships. Let's go simulate a matchup between the Lakers and Nets in the NBA on 2K and hand the champ. Whoever wins that because, you know, everybody, th those are the favorites and, and they ain't got to prove their worth. You know, let's go simulate the Chiefs versus Bucks part two because that's what everybody predicts. And, and nobody, you know, we ain't got to, they ain't got to prove their worth. Tom Brady ain't got to prove that he could do it again. He could go there again. Patrick Mahomes ain't got to prove that he could go back to back. Like, not let's just deem them Super Bowl and let's, let's simulate on Madden to figure out the champs. But that's what one loss does in college football. But enough for me. I appreciate all y'all for tuning in, listening. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mo, VP of the Off the Ball Network. Make sure, once again, you go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. A lot of articles been rolling through. Check out my article here. I was able to explain it a little bit to you through a show, but also read the article. Go support, share, uh, send it to your favorite person's favorite person. And on that note, Up in Flames is out. <laughs>